is tell the world that you if they give people opportunity to fully realize their potential you know get there and give them the opportunities that you want for yourself so yeah so I, I, this is like me saying creativity is this great platform for people to realize their potential and we should be collaborating with people rather than just supporting them you know i always say like we need our collaborators as much as more than they need us than they need hopeful traders Welcome to Social Fabric, conversations with people about their passion and their interaction with the community. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with your friends. You can find more episodes on socialfabric.ie or wherever you get your podcast. Can I call you up a while on a Friday night? We could reminisce on all days and we could talk so listen thanks a million first of all to agree to this because i'm sure you have all the stuff to do on a friday night but it's only it's only gonna take us about an hour and then let you go go back to whatever whatever you have planned any major plans for tonight yeah it's cool man uh no well firstly i'm looking forward to it so don't don't worry it's not a chore at all and um yeah i'm just going to a gig with a nice, friend actually nice nice uh, yeah well <clears throat> the one of the one of the main reasons uh, i wanted to talk to you about is because as i think i mentioned to you in one of the emails um the hopeful trader was very much the inspiration for what i'm doing uh genuinely was i i remember buying a couple of hoodies for me and the kid i'm actually wearing one today and at the time i thought oh this is a, such a great idea and uh, and then I thought, yeah, I don't know anything about that particular end of the world, but uh, I can do something to help other people. Anyway, I started off this little project that now turned into a podcast, a lot of downloads. It's great. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it. it's all up. So thanks to you, I'm doing this. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, mate, that's awesome to hear. Thank you yeah, so much. So look, I'm talking to Charlie Reich, uh, first podcast done over uh, the internet. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it'll be good, but... Charlie, I want to start with something. Uh, I want to start from homelessness. That's what I, I'm, I like. I read a bit about you. We never met. Hopefully, we will meet one day. But you feel very strong about this issue. Tell me why. So, I mean, you know, I'm not from an urban area. I'm actually from the countryside. But um, when I moved to London and started working after graduating from university in Bath, uh, it was just something that was like so so surrounding in my environment you know I was working in Soho in the middle of town and um, you know even the place where I worked people who finished late would have to kind of sadly kick the person out of the front door who there'd be people like sleeping in our doorway and stuff um, and you know I'd always want to do something socially motivated and I knew it would be good to kind of you know sadly not sadly but you know when it comes to engaging the public it's good to focus on one issue and for me homelessness one seemed an obvious one because it's very tangible for a lot of people you know whether you're someone who works in a bank or is on the lower end of the income if you you know if you're in an urban area you see it and it and and in London it's just like even in the couple years I've just been working at the sound studio I worked actually you know it, it seemed to be growing as an issue and so I and I also kind of as I started to learn about it and read about it you know what I also realized uh was that it's symptomatic of like lots of different issues 
So although I really wanted to focus on one issue when it came to kind of like wording and messaging, you know, I really wanted to be able to engage the public with a wide variety of social issues. And, and that's how it kind of sort of bled into focusing on mental health and different things like that. You know, that's the thing I always say, you know, homelessness is, you know, is a word that we use to just kind of describe really uh, what happens when any, when kind of any social issue or issue associated with people kind of goes unchecked, you know? Yeah, um, no, it, because it's very, at the moment, in the last, well, the last few years in Ireland, it's getting worse, and mm. uh, and the homelessness, it, it was always associated with the addiction, you know, that's what yeah. everybody always thought of, but, but now that we have a, we have an economic homelessness issue where families, oh, yeah, yeah. regular families that can't afford to buy a house anymore, or they're buying the house, but they can't afford the the, the mortgage anymore. So is, is that the same there over, over in London? Yeah. Is oh it? my God. Yeah. 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 I mean, and 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 it's not like you know, I I know a bit more than most people about homelessness. You know, it's more obviously it's like more in my day to day, but the public has really become aware. You know, you see it in media and stuff like that. How much the effect of just like not being able to afford your living costs is creating homelessness, you know? And and there's, there's this thing, you know, I, I will say just up front, addiction issues and stuff like that that we associate with homelessness, some people kind of, like, accept that because they think that's kind of someone's own problem, which is, you know, it's not the case. That's, that's There's a whole other issue. But, um, yeah, what's, what's kind of good, if you can say that, about the fact that people are realising it's just a case of people can't even just afford to live in a home is that people are waking up to the fact that, you know, homelessness isn't this like intangible thing that happens to like people on the extreme outer edges of society it it's very real threat for like a lot of people like you said like families like imagine you know it's one thing to worry about housing yourself and worrying to worrying about you know every month can you pay your rent to keep your kids under under a roof it's just like you know mental especially you know I'm not going to be like, oh, Britain's so lovely and great. We we can do anything. But in a country as developed as we are and as Ireland is, it it is kind of a bit shocking, really, isn't it? You know. Oh, it is. Yeah, it it, it is, and it's. Um, I think it's, it's gone beyond the what it used to be. Uh, not in my backyard. You know, it's not. It's yeah. not affecting me. It's not affecting my immediate family. Oh, exactly. But then all of a sudden, yeah. Okay, well, we'll, as I always do, I break it up with a couple of songs. You gave me a very interesting and eclectic uh, collection. Oh, so (laughs) much harder to choose than I thought it was going to be. I was like, how am I going to choose seven? Because I could barely choose any. And then suddenly it's, um, I could barely keep it down to seven in the end. Brilliant. Well, I hope it, I hope it brought you back to dance on memory lane. So, Amblin' Alp, Yes Air is the first one. This is kind of like, what is this album came out, like 2006 or something. So... This is right when I'm like really, I really wanted to be a music producer and that was, you know, music was my thing the whole time. That's what I really wanted to get into. And th- that age was probably when I was really sort of, I made a decision actually at that point to not go down the visual arts route and go down audio. And so I was really getting into music then and, you know, it was become a big part of my life. And a lot of people who kind of like start doing music technology and stuff like I do get into like really experimental stuff and really go down this path of very like, alternative and for me i just i like alternative music but 
I like alternative music with like pop sensibilities and I just love like this song is just so upbeat and like motivating and you know in the, in, I never really read that much into the lyrics and stuff but you know like it, it's you know it's almost like simplistic and it's like you know stand up for yourself son and I don't know I found it quite like I, I enjoy like very obvious like rousing <laughs> kind of like cor choruses and stuff you know and, and that uh, and this was like a tune that I just absolutely rinsed into the ground for, for many years actually. Okay, so just to go back a little bit, so who, who are you, Charlie? What, what, where did you grow up? Where did you went to school? And all, just a few a little bit of bio about you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny actually. It's something that I've you know in the past I've hidden, um, and I, uh, I I now it is really a big part of like what my the story of hopeful traders is, and I can't avoid it. Um, I am from a very upper middle class countryside privately educated expensive boarding school background like that 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 was like you know my experience growing up and a big part of why hopeful traders exists is because of that um it used to be a really like guilt-ridden thing for me you know i've been a, you know a lot of people from that background and this is a bit of a sweeping generalization that may not be fair but but i don't think a lot of people from that background really understand quite how exclusive like that club is do you know what i mean like you really are in the top percentage of like wealth and opportunity in the world um if you went to the kind of school where i did um and so you know i had inherited money and stuff from from wealthy grandparents and and i'd always had like you know and it's not just about the money it really is also like a, one thing i'm really really lucky for again which a lot of people don't have just like a really supportive, lovely, amazing family who've never really denied me any opportunity for anything and never told me what I could or couldn't do. Um, and I, you know, after coming to London and working for a bit, getting a bit disillusioned with the work world that I was in, I felt like that what I could offer was not just money, you know, I could have just donated everything that I, I'd inherited and stuff like that. But um, what I had been really grateful for was the opportunity to do what I want, you know, which uh, until which basically at that point had been following a career in audio uh, and then I well now ended up being a career in social enterprise and creativity, you know, like it's an absolute blessing to be able to do that. So I just wanted to kind of offer the opportunities that I'd been given growing up to people who maybe uh, wouldn't have them. That's great. Uh, I I I have met a couple of uh, in my in my fifty years on this planet. I met a couple of uh, uh, 
upper middle class English gentleman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, I, you know, I, I spent a few years living in India, and, uh, right. and we leave, um, we we were in the expats community, and a lot of them were, of course. you know, private. It, it, it look lovely people, but what I'm curious about, um, why? Uh, I mean, you said you supported your family, so the expectations from it, like well, your parents or your family, weren't expecting you to be. I don't know to go into whatever you're supposed to be going into is it banking is it uh, no no uh, yeah no. it's you know like it's funny like you know in the last couple of years I've really come to terms with issues around mental health in myself and and and, and through that I've done a lot of therapy and through therapy I found out that actually I was very worried about my parents opinion and whether they expected things from me and that but that was something that was completely just came about on my own end do you know what I mean like the probably because they had been you know, there was always encouragement and they were like, you know, when I told them I wanted to get into music, they were like, okay, it's going to be tough. So, you know, you really got to work at it. But, but, but they never, there was no concern there. There was definitely no pushing towards any other kind of industry. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, and I, I didn't really actually appreciate that until I was a bit older and, or like until I was kind of, you know, you get to, to 19, 20, when everyone's starting at uni or even when you're 18 and everyone's leaving school. And you kind of realize that actually some of your friends are quite like their parents really do have a big role in choosing what they're going to do. And my parents were their whole approach is um, they're there for support if it's needed. But uh, it's like kind of up to you to decide what you want to do. And and they only really the support is offered, not forced on you. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so I'm really lucky for that. For that, really. No, that's great. Yeah. No, again, I'm always uh, any any guest I had on. I'm always curious of uh, like we are the the result of not just our parents, but the, our community, our schooling, our teachers. Mm-hmm. So what did you? Can you can you trace back some influence when you were in school? Like any particular person or teacher or friend that kind of started to, to inspire you on, on doing what you're doing now? Do you think there was traces back to school? Yeah, I, um, I don't really know where, like, you know, we had some, like, I still have most, a lot of really great friends from school and some of the teachers there, obviously really fantastic. Um, in terms of, like, the social aspect of what I do, I don't know. Like, I, I don't remember where this kind of, obligation to pay back the world for what had like been gifted to me like I always just that like feeling of I owe the world something and I feel motivated to give back to it has been there for such a long time and I don't really remember where that came from um creatively I had you know a friend of mine whose dad was like really in music and another friend who I still currently live with um with a, it was me and those two other guys were the only guys who did music tech at our school. Like the kind of school we were at didn't, I'm surprised they allowed people to do music tech. Like it, it was seen, you know, anything other than pure art, uh, was seen as kind of a joke subject in terms of creativity. Um, but it was just me and these three guys and then this really great teacher called, uh, Dr. Ridley. Um, and we used to, our classes for music tech were just like a lot based around, our own kind of perceptions of music. There's a lot of discussion about music and creativity and uh, Dr. Ridley was just like really passionate about it. So that was when like, I guess the creative element for for what I do or like my kind of thinking about creative process really kind of started to um, 
started to come to be an important part of my life. It took me a very long time to really wrap my head around being creative. I really struggled with it for a very long time. Um, you know, I still do really, but uh, that's where the kind of idea that it could be at the forefront of something that I do with my life uh, came to be, I guess. Okay, great. And uh, you have this great uh, song by LCD Sound System, Dance Yourself Clean. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, kind of perfect that I was just talking about those guys I lived with because one of them, Harry, was the one who introduced it to me. And then Tom, who's the guy I live with now, all three of us massively enjoy LCD Sound System. I've been, uh, been lucky enough to go to a few of his shows. And it's just like, yeah, I, I, um, was an anxious person who would avoid dancing at most times but uh as i've grown older i've just kind of i always kind of enjoyed stuff like this you know the slow build up and the big pleasing finish you know not giving away not giving away too much too early um and yeah when you i mean you see this tune live and it's absolutely stunning like just such a great atmosphere so yeah just like a pure for me just like a pure enjoyment track do you know what i mean like it doesn't really need to be thought about in any too deep a way Okay, uh, you, you you mentioned that you when you uh, I will get you up full traders, but I want to just uh, <laughs> I just want to delve in, delve in a little bit more into who you are and so you moved into the big smoke of uh, of uh, London in Soho and you decided to get into sound engineering and music that was the whole thing yeah that was what, what attracted you yeah so so actually the the industry I worked in was more sound design so that's like kind of everything else that's on a audio track and that for a for, for a piece of moving image and um we the the studio i worked at really just did tv adverts radio adverts digital adverts it was adverts it was, ad, it was tv it was sorry it was post-production for advertising really um but that was just where the jobs and the money are do you know what i mean like it was either that or work for free at a studio and and music and i did that too and it was just um kind of bullshit to be honest um and you know pretty quickly i learned if i wanted to be following something music wise you want to be doing that in your free time anyway and also like i actually do really enjoy doing sound design and the more technical parts of putting an audio track together for moving image so i was quite happy doing to, to follow that path but um yeah you know a lot of that was my career essentially serving tea and getting lunches and it's quite old-fashioned in a way that industry surprisingly in that it you're kind it's almost similar to boarding school in this kind of like this like bizarre hierarchy that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and people get treated quite poorly at the bottom for the sake of kind of serving egos at the top um I won't, I won't say too much about my experience of that company but 
I, I knew I was pretty unhappy there. I hadn't really realized at the time, but you know, I would come to realize in later years, I was pretty depressed um, and just didn't really know what I actually wanted to do with my life. And, but I knew that if I stayed there, there was a point at which it was like, leave now, or you're basically saying you want to be here for the next like 20 years of your life. And I just, that for me, that was the kind of big decider. You know, I, di I didn't see anyone in that industry who I envied and, um, it seemed like I was treading water of that, you know. And what age would you have been there in Charlie? Well, I started when I was like, well, so I, I, the first studio I went to, I got fired from <laughs> as, uh, for being a little precocious. I was very well, I was, I think I was very well liked, but, um, at that point, my confidence had really bubbled over into like quite affronting for some people. So, you know, had a bit of a setback first time and then got a second studio job. Uh, and I guess I would have been 23 and I left when I was, uh, well, I left when I was 24, turned 25, set up Hopeful Traders just after I turned 25. Okay. Okay. And, um, yeah, so they, they, I suppose that, and, and, and I'm just speculating based on what you told me, like you came out of the, of your nice cocoon of your countryside, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you, you're, you're walking the streets of London where all of a sudden it's very tangible what's happening, the amount of people you meet, the the, mm. the different people. So that's where, I suppose that's where your social conscience has started to brew, brew up when you mentioned yeah. earlier on that you, you start to meet people on the streets and you start to work out why why it's happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do come from a sheltered background, but that by that point, you know, I spend, I spent a lot of my time growing up, coming and hanging out in London and stuff. So it wasn't, wasn't like too unfamiliar that whole world and, and Bath where I was at university has a massive homeless problem um, but yeah I think it's more that where I started to understand the nuances of it uh, was while I was in London you know that it's not just beggars on the street it's it's a much more complex issue than that um, and yeah like uh, I had never really heard of the term social enterprise but I just started to come across these projects or businesses that were based around raising money for something or raising awareness for things like for well actually you know initially there's a music label called Red Hot who they actually make fantastic like really great albums with a lot of alternative and indie artists with all original music or covers uh, and that's to raise money for um, an AIDS charity which I think is also called Red Hot but what was and and there's another project called Yellow Bird Project, which was making T-shirts from designs from the similar group of musicians, who would then raise money for charities through those designs. And those those two kind of things were the kind of influence and inspiration for Hopeful Traders, really. And what I really loved about, especially Red Hot and and Yellow Bird Project, is that is the first time I'd seen something creative, or like what the what the output was. There was no compromise on the quality um, of what was being made just because of the social mission. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think charity products and things around, you think of charity shops and like, you know, crappy tote bags that you get in rewards for donating or whatever. Um, when you think of like social projects and, and these, like like the Red Hot albums, I mean, anyone, I really urge anyone to go and check out like um, Dark Was The Night, which is one of my favorite albums. And, and like, um, they... Uh, 
yeah like i mean just an incredible bunch of albums that were completely original in their concept and not just not just didn't compromise on on quality but if anything it seemed to like really rouse something in all the the people who collaborated on it do you know what i mean like it, it really lent it like the mission seemed to lend itself to to the quality of what was um being made okay um just tell me a little bit about um sufian stevens uh casimir pulaski day who who is on those albums actually um yeah he <laughs> Uh, so my brother first gave me this record, my middle brother, um, which, yeah, like, uh, which I guess would have been when we tr traded CDs and stuff. He bought this for my birthday. Great album. Uh, come on, feel the, uh, feel, feel the other noise. Uh, Kazimir Pulaski Day. I didn't, I just thought it was just a really beautiful song, firstly. But then, like, you listen to it a couple times. And like, then you actually like listen to the lyrics and it's like, it's just a very sad story. It's about someone who gets cancer when they're very young, um, and eventually dies. And it's, and it's sort of Sufjan is like singing from the perspective of, uh, her friend or like, or like kind of like the sort of teenage romance or whatever. Um, I've, you know, if that's, if I've, if I've, uh, gathered correctly, but, um, it's, For me, there's a thing I think about a lot, which this kind of touches on other than it just being a beautiful piece of music, which is, just like the randomness of like misfortune, you know, like the idea of a, a childhood sweetheart essentially getting cancer and dying, it, you know, that happens, that really happens to some people as does just like any kind of number of completely random misfortune that happens in the world. And it really like, it gives me a lot of anxiety, like it can really depress me sometimes. I have had things happen to me even like this year and And, and, you know, not often, but I have had things that have really almost derailed my life that were completely, not completely out of my control, actually, but uh, definitely not planned. And um, I've learned how to turn those things in positive and kind of own them, whatever, those particular things. But um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, uh, it really troubles me, actually. And I, I don't, I still haven't really worked out how to handle the fact that these things happen to people completely without any kind of control from them or anyone else involved, you know what I mean? Golden rod and the 4-H stone The things I brought you when I found out You had cancer off the bone Your father cried on the telephone And he drove his car into the Navy Yard Just to prove that he was sorry In the morning, through the window shade When the light pressed up against your shoulder blade I could see what you were reading All the glory that the Lord has made And the complications you could do without When I kissed you on the mouth So we finally get to Hopeful Traders um which is, is just a fantastic initiative now you told us where you got the inspiration from but you just um you you, you took the idea you took the, the idea from yellowbird and red Hot, and you went okay what well, how am i gonna use my creativity to to do something good mm -hmm. and and so 
give me a little bit of an idea of the journey. I mean, you that's the idea. And then how did you start to contact the artist? Tell us a bit about it, because I know a little bit about it, but I'd love to the listen to know. So, I mean, I can't remember exactly coming up with the concept. I mean, like I said, Yellow Bird and, and Red Hot have kind of influenced it. I, I didn't really feel like I was at a point where I'd be able to do a music project. You know, you really got to have like a lot of clout experience and and also like set up money to do that and it wasn't something I could do um yellow bird project and I saw a few other people running their own brands and I thought oh you know naively I was like oh I reckon I can you know design some t-shirts with some people like there's a lot of I sort of started on this idea somewhere and I can't remember where from that the people we would be helping why not involve them in the actual process of like what we are creating rather than just raising money do you know what I mean and I, you know, I, I was chatting to friends about it and, and I, I know there was a point where I was like, it's going to be too difficult to do that. And, um, one particular friend of mine, I think Will, I remember very clearly being like, but that idea is so good. You can't not do it. And I was like, Oh my God, I, this like middle class kid has got to go and find someone who's homeless or been homeless to approach them for this project. Like it's, it's this is the problem I think with a lot of our societies like that kind of idea of interacting with someone like that actually seems quite intangible and intimidating you know like who the hell am I to be to be kind of approaching someone for that but um I kind of you know a bit of googling around arts and the homelessness world and cafe art is this uh, amazing social enterprise who do art projects with people who've experienced homelessness um and I got in contact with them and, and actually I've ended up working with a lot of artists that are known to them and, and, and in their community and they're just really supportive, like straight away, just put me in, trying to put me in touch with uh, David Tovey, who turned out to be just like, although it was hard to pin him down at first, I think he was a bit reluctant. Um, I managed to get hold of him and we worked, I, it was as simple as finding some illustrations he had that I thought would work and I kind of worked that into a first collection and kind of with his kind of uh his artwork at the center of it and always getting feedback from him about choosing what we were doing and stuff and uh yeah and then <sighs> opened just before christmas managed to get a few orders out before christmas and then come february start doing camden market which ended up being a big part of like our sort of beginning of our story and yeah i just it just kind of went from there and uh it was a lot based around that first collection with david and and david is someone who just at first, it was just kind of, we'd meet a couple of times, kind of send emails back and forth over like choices and stuff. And then we now, you know, I, I consider him like a really close friend and we work really closely together. And I th- hope that he feels that Hopeful Traders has really helped him on his way to becoming, you know, the successful artist that he is, who's now an advocate for kind of other people, an advocate for kind of uh, creativity in the homeless in home uh for amongst homelessness sorry um you know he he's done a lot and so yeah so it, it was like it was one of those things there was there was definitely a point where it's like i was like i don't know how we're going to get this first collaboration made but once i actually met david everything kind of snowballed and, and came together yeah because i saw i saw a couple of uh there's a couple of uh, clips of david talking about his his problems he had when he was homeless and when he, he was going through issues and then through you he kind of got back in on his feet, and you know he's obviously he's very his his work has been shown at the Tate Modern and a couple other places, which is fantastic. 
But so then, like, and I know for your collection, there's various designs from there. So you literally then from there, I'm just curious how you went to and find out about more people. I mean, did it get out in the in the world uh, in the in in London, or people start to talk about it and they, they approach you, or yeah, how did they... a few different ways. You know, I mean, people always ask me this question, and it's never really the same answer. Uh, Cafe art have always been there, kind of uh, to as a kind of existing community of people like that from that of artists from that background um naomi taylor who again who was our second collaborator who i work with now she, i before i actually approached cafe art approached a cafe, uh, charity called shp and they put me in touch with her while she was at a cafe art exhibition um another charity we've worked with have ref, have uh, referred people on to me but yeah like quite quickly it became not that was like the least of our worries was finding collaborators um, amongst those people and amongst the kind of cafe art community and a few of the charity groups. Our name had gotten about and people are people are keen to you know create and put stuff out in the world. So yeah, and I guess that's what you're trying to do. What you're quite strong uh, about is the the lack of community spirit. And you're you you talked about that in a couple of articles I read where you wish there was more community interaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in social inclusion, and I really want to change the way that we kind of think about social social impact and kind of charity, or like you know maybe even dispel, sort of get rid of the word charity completely. Like, I think you know in London you've got people almost living on top of each other who never cross paths. Um, I don't see a places metaphysical or physical like do you know what i mean like places as in like brands or like communities or anything where you have someone who might be in have been in temporary accommodation in part of their life crossing paths with someone who maybe pulls in 80 grand a year at a bank or like or, or even just someone who works in like advertising and is earning you know is more just like middle class not necessarily ridiculously well off but um, you don't. I don't see a place where those two people can can interact, and yet there are so many similarities. Like a big thing, a big kind of movement in my age group has been setting up a startup, working for yourself, realizing creative aspirations, and a commercial platform, stuff like that. You know, that's you know why Shopify is massive, Etsy, all this stuff is these huge brands now. Um, and you know, escape the city, a really big brand who like get people into jobs that are from banks, but want to do something exciting. It's a really big movement amongst, you know, middle-class wealthier people, but you go and speak to someone who's in temporary accommodation or the artists we work with, they are also just as interested. You like, I, I try and keep up a conversation. You know, we can only do so much to support people, but I always want to know what I, else I could be doing to support them. And they're like, I want to know how to run to start a business. Like, what's the tax issues around starting a business? How do I get my work into a place where it's... How do I set up a website where I can commercialize my work and sell stuff? Where can I link up with other corporate brands or whatever to sell my stuff? And it's 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 silly that... Uh, I, not silly. It's just... It's actually great to know that there is this kind of creative or like entrepreneurial plateau on which everyone exists no no matter their background do you know what I mean um, and I what I really want to do next year especially is start running these workshops and tutorials and stuff and bring the, all those people into the same room and because not only is it a great learning opportunity for all those people 
but I think it's really good for people to learn to kind of fami- be feel a bit more familiar with someone who maybe has been in temporary accommodation because like I said like and I, this is what I had as a problem when I said side for traders if you're like a from a middle class background like and you see someone who's a rough sleeper or like you know from a very different world it seems intimidating and it goes it works both ways and it's it, it just doesn't need to be and and those two people rather than and you know at once a year the more middle class person might donate to a charity that supports to someone in temporary accommodation but it's 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 not that kind of giving isn't like really i mean it's it works for a lot of things but it's not really you're not really changing anything socially there you know it's great you're like donating to them being like oh well hopefully that company will help them get a job at mcdonald's or whatever but what about you know you're not really giving them an opportunity to get up to the level that you're at you know um, and that's kind of what i'm interested in that makes sense okay um this song home by friends <laughs> yeah so i again like i i basically don't usually listen to the lyrics and things or i thought i didn't until i started actually learning what they meant uh, and this was a song i just thought i liked rhythmically and musically but You know, I think, you know, not to get super personal, but this song is about kind of like someone, I, I, my perception of it is it's like, it's from the voice of someone who, whose ex keeps on coming back to like wanting to sleep with them or whatever. And like, basically like kind of this common thing that happens where some people like break up or whatever. And then they kind of like seek refuge in someone they've been with before. And it's kind of a not intentional, but us not intentionally but is quite like an arsehole thing to do. And I think I like just carry like a lot of guilt sometimes about like my approach to like women when I was a bit younger. Like I, that makes it sound like I was like awful. Like I liked, I think I was, I don't think there's anyone out there with like a particularly bad view of me and the way I acted. But I definitely think that generally men don't realize the kind of like emotional, uh, like weight that they put on women in a lot of the situations they get themselves into and and I'm like hypersensitive to trying to not be like that and it again like some a lot of these songs is just to do with things that I get anxious and worried about um and yet I still really enjoy the music for some reason maybe just a <laughs> a crater weird person but um yeah so like I kind of realized later on that it almost sounded like what I imagined someone would say to me Uh, even though I really, it's something I really would never want to hear, but um, I don't know, it sat with me for some reason. You're on the on on this hopeful trader journey. It's only just about three years old, um, but obviously, just just listen to your convers the conversation here. 
it, it very much has become a vehicle for what you've set out to be like the t-shirts and the hoodies and the the, the brand itself is it's what you started with but that's just become a vehicle for for exactly what you mentioned doing the workshops and inc- social inclusion and so on and it, and it it must be but the journey through it the, the all the people you met uh, from David Tooby and and I forgot the other girl I'm sorry Naomi and as a few Naomi you must it, that that through must be quite quite a quite a hard journey to go through that to listen to their stories and spending time with them tell me a bit about that yeah it's funny actually because it's something that used to quite prevalently be in my mind a lot more than it is now um there's kind of, hopeful traders has kind of like i mean it's every year it seems to be that i'm kind of almost rebuilding but there's definitely a point and this is also a massive point in my life where things changed in a big way and that was a point in which like i had a nervous breakdown and kind of uh engaged with like a therapist and stuff like that and identified a lot of my own issues and realized that as lucky as I felt like I had been, I was actually beating myself up about it and stuff like that. Anyway, so before that, or even during that, you know, it wasn't actually till a bit after I was kind of dealing with that issue, even when that happened, and big part of why that happened is this idea that, who, like, who am I? I was very depressed, like, for a lot of my life, I've been quite depressed. And, like, but I always felt like, who am I to be depressed? Like, I come from like a wealthy, supportive background. I've had every opportunity anyone could ever want by the time I was like 20, you know? And then I'm like there speaking with David and like, he has been through some times in his life, you know? He, he, he's the first to tell you he's, he's been to hell and back. And uh, it was, we're all, and like, I'm just so lucky and glad that he, he came through it because a lot of people don't. Um, and you know, Naomi has struggles and, and, and Ray has struggles. Like the guys we've all, all the guys we work with has struggles like anyone else. But yeah, like sometimes it felt, really felt like I was just comparing myself to them and I'd be incredibly unhappy, but wouldn't really allow myself to uh, acknowledge the fact that I was struggling because, you know, like my story on the surface of it was not nearly as dramatic or tragic as theirs. Um, so yeah, so for a long time, and like I mentioned earlier, like my kind of impetus, the the kind of thing that drove me to start was out of guilt. And, and so up until that point where I really broke down and couldn't really hack it anymore and wanted to stop doing it, um, I had just been like, been driving, trying to drive myself on negative kind of thought, you know, like really like dragging myself through this process for the sake of like some sort of punishment almost you know because other people have bad lives and I don't you know and then there was a point where I really kind of identified that and I've managed you know it's still tough sometimes but I've managed to flip that into like a motivation you know like understanding understanding myself like what kind of support I needed Although, you know, again, like my situation nowhere near is as dramatic as some of the guys we've worked with, but understanding the kind of support that I wanted and needed and how I needed to think about things made me kind of realize that maybe I actually really could help some people in a really meaningful way 
Um, and that doesn't have to be a weight of responsibility. Like responsibility is a funny thing. Like I think we naturally think of that as a negative thing, as a burden, but responsibility I've like really tried to take on. I try and like preach this is, is it's, it's a, like an opportunity, you know, like it's an exciting opportunity. You get to be responsible for something. Um, and so, yeah, sorry, babbling a bit, but yeah, I've tried to turn it into a positive basically. No, no, it's okay. You can babble away as long as you like. No, I'm just curious. I'm curious about, um, like you mentioned earlier on, you, you, the, the earlier when you were working in the, in the sound engineering, okay, it wasn't for you. You just it, it was depressing. You mentioned depressing, but I, I can understand depressing in a way that you went in hoping to work in sound engineering, and ended up making tea and coffees, and you know, in a kind of an institution. That depressing. That's fine. I, I get that, young man. Getting, but then you step into something completely different, very creative, very worthwhile with worthwhile results because you're starting to work with the likes of David and and he goes from being homeless to to you know becoming more accomplished or rediscovering himself as an artist and that's the bit I, I, I I'm curious about how that did not give you a sense okay well yeah. I am actually do something worthwhile um, well a couple of things like firstly I'll say that as much as I'm really happy to have been there and really benefited David at a time when he was turning his life around I've got to say like he's he he deserves most of the credit you know what I mean like we I'm really flattered when he credits us as part of his rebuilding his life but there were so many people so many amazing organizations and 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 at the heart of it really was him being an incredibly motivated person um, so yeah, like we're a part of that. I, I would never take full credit for it, but yeah, that was really exciting. And, and actually one of the big points for me was the point where, you know, one of the things we do with most artists is offer the opportunity for them to raise money for a charity that means something to them. David chose to raise money for a charity called the Pillion Trust, who are a wonderful charity who shelter, they're a community center, but they also offer shelter to young people during the winter months. Um, you know, they're small and at the time, I don't, I could be wrong about this. I feel like at the time they were struggling for funds, but I could be wrong about that. And over the course of about eight months, we had kind of raised, I think it was just over three grand for them. And David didn't realize, because I've been, we'd been kind of building it up and we hadn't, uh, sent, added it all up yet. And we, we, we didn't realize actually how much we had raised. And I told David and he was just absolutely over the moon about it. The charity, like I made them, it made such, you know, they were small enough that it made a real direct difference to what they could do that, that winter. So like moments like that was, you know, it wasn't even necessarily for David, but for him, he, he is just so motivated by giving and doing for other people. So it was as much, it did, I guess it does feel like a gift to him as well, but it was really a gift to them. So he could pay them, he felt like he could pay them back for kind of, giving him his life back um and that was like really amazing but yeah like it the thing is about like depression and stuff like that is it's, it's easy to kind of contextualize or, or or like hang on to these things that you think are doing it so yeah i was like a young guy who was disillusioned in this job but i would never like say that place is a depressing belittling place like you know some good friends of mine still work there and love it and if i wasn't depressed i probably could have been there and been fine with it you know it's it's it it lent itself to me becoming unhappy, but that has to exist there already, you know. Um, and same with, and that's that's kind of what is actually evident, like by what you said, because yeah, I had the opportunity to go and do this like thing that 
you know, I struggle to really appreciate that I've done anything that great, but that people say is great and like people really, you know, are grateful for. Um, and yet I still hate, I hated it for a long time, actually, you know, like I'll say it like the, until I really had that breakdown and kind of reversed the way I thought about just about everything in my life. It felt like this massive burden that I'd put on myself. Like I really felt the expectation to do well at it was was too much. Um, just like the expectation to do well at anything, whether it was at the studio or like music in my free time or anything creative, you know. So I didn't. It didn't feel like any different to any of the other kind of expect unrealistic expectations I'd weighed myself down with throughout my life. Fair enough. And um, well, then the song we have next is uh, "Shame" by yeah. Young Fathers. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, kind of you could so obviously you could so easily uh, draw something from that. Uh, it's funny, actually. I think uh, on my uh, my Tinder or my dating app profile, it, it asks you to like have a song that says something about you, and I always choose that one. <laughs> um, kind of as a joke, uh, but yeah, like Young Fathers, are, like my probably my favorite band maybe of all time definitely of the moment um just so different to anything else that's out there and again a bit like ambling out and that this one's like a really high energy tune and but it's quite gritty and um yeah i don't know there probably is something in the lyrics that is sits with me but i haven't actually worked it out yet to be honest and i don't know if it is just about the shame aspect which is the thing that fills my life quite often but less so nowadays um yeah I, I really don't know what to say other than that it's just like I think they are kind of like the pinnacle of music at the moment like so original so energetic and yeah I, I'm a massive fan of that to hear that you, you decided you know you're about to give it all up for your own personal reason but you decided to stick with it and uh, and uh, just give it another good go and at the moment you're crowdfunding for um in uh, jc deco a, a creative space where they give you the match whatever you're gonna f- uh, crowdfund yeah and then you'll be able to so tell us a bit about it because i'll put it out as quickly as i can and then hopefully yeah you'll get some uh, some funding from ireland as well yeah that'd be tell great us about what, you. what you're funding for it's um so yeah this opportunity kind of came our way completely out of nowhere which was that jc deco would partner with us and double our spend on a outdoor advertising campaign uh, out of home advertising campaign it's not something really i'd really usually go for but um for what i'm planning to do next year a huge amount of exposure would really um go a long way for us it connects us with people in a more corporate background and a big part of what I would do is really starting to c- connect with the kind of corporate world who are increasingly interested in social impact and social enterprise which is great to see 
And yeah, so like the idea is that, you know, if I can raise money for this campaign, which is proving to be very arduous, but we're, we're getting there, um, I can kind of show through our own example how we can take a completely new approach to social impact. You know, it's funny to like talk about this kind of thing. Like, I'm very confident in it, but I feel like such an arrogant tosser when I talk about like being being at the forefront of something or like showing everyone how to do something in a completely innovative way. But I really do believe in like y- using collaboration and creativity to like change lives at a more exponential kind of rate or level, I guess. Um, you know, David, I always tout kind of our story with David because it's just such a great success story. Rather than just kind of giving him or like uh, someone who's experienced that a job where they're packing t-shirts or doing something simple, which like would never belittle, like a job's a great thing to have and it's great to be to getting people into employment stuff. But what I really want to say is, 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 is tell the world that you, if they give people opportunity to fully realize their potential, you know, get there and give them the opportunities that you want for yourself. Um, and that you would give to your, you know, if you come from private school background, you'd give to fucking other private school background kids, you know? Um, so yeah, so I, I this is like me saying creativity is this great plat- platform for people to realize their potential and, we should be collaborating with people rather than just supporting them. You know, I always say like, we need our collaborators as much as more than they need us, than they need hopeful traders. And uh, I'm curious about the, so you're looking billboard and the tube and that kind of outdoor advertising, right? Bus stops, yeah. There's a lot of different things I do, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, and, and look, you're raising, trying to raise fifteen thousand pounds. You, I think, at today's at one point, I looked at it, it was about whatever, nearly four thousand, which is great. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was today. But uh, but it's is why why the route of outdoor advertising as opposed to put that into social media, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, firstly, um, the whole. There's no way we could raise 15 grand just on our own. It's because Crowdfunder and JC Deco, so JC Deco put in two grand straight away. Uh, Crowdfunder are doing a lot of promotion and stuff around what the project. We wouldn't have been able to raise that amount of money for anything if we were doing it on our own. It's just that this was on offer as like a partnership crowdfunding thing. So, cause yeah, I mean, I think it'll be of great value to us if we manage to raise it and do the outdoor out of home advertising thing. But yeah, like if someone, if I was going to, if someone landed 15 grand in my lap, it, it wouldn't be the first thing. I'll admit that. Um, I would spend money on, but, but the thing is like the opportunity to raise 15,000 pounds was only really directly available through this. Um, and yeah, like I'll be, I'm, I'm a big proponent of transparency. I had a lot of hesitations. I, I'm still kind of, you know quite worried about this weather because it's you know it's kind of taken over quite what is usually quite a busy sales period for us and and i'm just focusing on this now so yeah like you know you take risks i'm hesitant and i'm worried about it but at the same time i'm also excited about the potential of it um we're just trying to get a few more we've kind of gotten all the kind of our existing backers involved and we're now trying to spread the word a little bit and get sort of new people interested to buy 
um, a few of the kind of rewards. But what I'm really looking for now are the kind of bigger backers who are going to spend three to five, five hundred pounds. Um, we're offering basically an opportunity to collaborate for like a, if you're a bigger brand or whatever and you want to align yourself with a social enterprise, we're offering that opportunity through like a design project that we'll do if you back us up to a certain amount. So those are the guys we're trying to, who I think we're going to get us over the line, I hope. Yeah, no, I saw that actually on your website and, and, and it looked great, great idea. You do, you're doing a nice package at the moment for 25, you know, the, whatever, mm. just a startup yep. uh, point, which is great. Um, now that's brilliant. So, well, look, uh, regardless, so, uh, I'm hoping that you'll get there and you'll get your thirty grand altogether. But if you don't, you're gonna still doing this. I'm hoping, you know, by, yeah, yeah, for, sure, okay. for sure, perfect, for perfect. Sure. Okay, um, second last song is "My Old Man" by Mac DeMarco. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so this one obviously a very tangible kind of meaning, but basically it's funny actually. So music such a big part of my life, and it really, I find it lifts me up a lot. But I actually can't really listen to it if i'm feeling down um but i also don't like being like when i'm quite depressed and this could be for months sometimes uh i don't really listen to any music i just listen to podcasts just so i just have some voice in my head so i don't feel by myself (laughs) but like i don't know i just like i just hate silence but um uh i yeah i can't sometimes music just like you know like sometimes i don't know how to describe it like it's almost like food tasting like nothing even my favorite songs just don't sound that good but Mac DeMarco is always, I can always put that on and enjoy it. I don't know what it is about it. It's quite light. I guess it's, you know, it's lighthearted. He's one of almost non-existent number of people who are famous, who I actually feel like, I don't know, like I almost like would aspire to be to like in that kind of very teenage hero kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think he's great and he's a funny guy and, and he's a great musician. And then yeah, so like I really relate with him, and and then this, and then he and he released this song, which is, you know, look in the mirror, who do you see? Kind of starting to realize you get to that. He's, I think we're quite similar age, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight. You get to that age where you're like, okay, I can see like the wrinkles forming around my eyes, and like, is that jowls? Are those jowls coming in there? Like, and um, yeah, so it was kind of really relatable. I really start, especially, and also like, you know, being depressed and stressed, like I, you can see it in your face um, after like a really bad year. And yeah, you just, I find myself just around that time when this song come out, I was like, yeah, you just find yourself just looking in the mirror at yourself, really noticing like a big change in, in you know, you're not a young man anymore or like, yeah. Um, so yeah, just like a very classic thing that I think everyone really kind of goes through and feels a lot of throughout a big part of their life. But yeah, it's super relatable and I'm just a massive fan of his. Just 
just uh, as we gonna finish it off so just want to say to you like I put it out on our social media and then the reaction has been fantastic people I've been talking to yeah, a couple of new, new charities here. Uh, well, no, sorry, charities in Ireland. One is, is specifically on mental health, and the other one is suicide prevention. And they were the first to come back to say, "What a fantastic idea!" You know, brilliant. Oh, so, uh, you know, I, I would, uh, I would, um, you know, you're doing a great job, and thank it, you so much. People really appreciate it uh, from even if you might not see, it, you might not see it tangible, but it, <laughs> it is. It's it's a uh, look. Keep going, and uh, social entrepreneurship is is a fantastic thing. And, and as you said earlier on, it, it's happening, and, and, and people are getting very interested. For people, young people out there listening, that they might have an idea, they might not necessarily care too much about making too much money. Give us an, an idea, and I don't want to, you know, and I'm not looking to to hear what what you're making, what you're not making, but how you structure social entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Oh man, I I would actually. <laughs> I, I, I do, I am trying to set myself up as this kind of voice of social entrepreneurship and I'm very, you know, I'm proud of what I've done, but man, like, I have moved from structure to structure and, and I'm, I think still finding the perfect one. Um, I think there is like an opportunity to really build something and if, if, if money isn't your, sole purpose that that certainly helps because it is going to be really tough but that's not to say you can't find it incredibly rewarding and make sure that you are getting paid i think one of the big problems was when i started i felt like i didn't deserve to be paid and that is now a problem three years on because of the way i set it up uh you know i wrote a business plan that didn't include paying the one and only employee essentially um you know uh, or like full-time employee uh, and so I'm still kind of working and kind of having to kind of undo that. Um, so yeah, just make sure. I think actually, you know, that's actually probably one thing I would say and is worth really thinking about if you are a young person or anyone who wants to start social enterprise. Like, do not disvalue your time and effort and your and your expertise because I think it's really common. Like, I, I'm currently doing a course with the School of Social Entrepreneurs and part of SE UK. I make a real point of getting to know personally a lot of the other social entrepreneurs in London and I have a lot of good friends in social uh, enterprise uh, and you almost all of them just do not pay themselves very much or like it's never it's paying themselves seems to get put on the back burner and I can understand why and it's really respect respectable that they're doing that and I do it this I'm the same but um uh it's it's not sustainable if you're going to help people then you need to make sure your your life and your what you've got going on is stable um because you can't help anyone if you aren't helping yourself you know and and that's what i really suffered for not just financially but like mentally and my you know mental health and stuff like that let it suffer and the company almost died you know so so yeah, look after yourself. Um, and I always preach when people ask me about volunteer opportunities and volunteering and how can they do something in their own communities to help people. I always just focus on what's achievable, you know. Um, it'd be great if everyone volunteered every weekend for two days, but it's, you know, it's just not realistic. You've got you've to be happy and enjoy it. It's got to be a positive experience. Uh, I actually think a bit, a bit of a side that I'll just preach about for a second. One thing I have a real big problem with is the way that... Um, charities have basically you know people who work in marketing and advertising for working on charity contracts have basically made 
doing good into a, like a real ch guilt-ridden chore. And I think we are now trying to, you know, the social enterprises are really trying to turn that on its head. Um, but there's a real, it's caused a lot of problems, I think, in the way that people approach doing good. Like they feel like it should hurt or like be some sort of compromise on your part. And it doesn't have to be. It can be a really great, enjoyable, rewarding thing. Okay, that's great. That sounds good. Um, this is the last thing I always ask everybody before we we play the last song is a couple of words of wisdom. And you, young man, I'm sure you have loads of words of wisdom for anybody listening. <laughs> oh, man, there's this quote from Steve-O. <laughs> I heard from Steve-O from Jackass once. It's so good and I've completely fucking forgot. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is why I'm not very... I hate quotes usually, but uh, this is one of the few that I've remembered. And he got it from somewhere else, obviously. He was just like... Um, yeah, like, uh, luck is like half preparation, half opportunity. Um, it's a bit cheesy and simple. Basically, what he's saying is, you know, luck is not just a case of randomness. If you're prepared for the opportunity when it comes, then you will, you know, be fortuitous in, 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 in the outcome. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's some things where there's 50% of the world is kind of like out of your control, but they're like, there's a lot that is also within your control. So you just got to be ready uh, to kind of take advantage of the opportunities when they come. And because sometimes you may only get one. Like I said earlier, you know, a lot of people we work with, they don't, they don't get many. And I've had so many. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, so we're going to leave with the last song, which is um, A Method by TV on the Radio. So this, I guess, like if I, I don't really like saying I have a favorite artist or whatever but historically these guys have really this is a band that i've uh, listened to kind of religiously since i was pretty young um similar in the way that like i kind of think of young fathers and that they're just really unique and it's hard to choose one song from them actually because i have so many favorites but um this one is just so unique and just couldn't be anyone else and i guess for me growing up and especially even now i just try to really do things which are undeniably me, um, even though sometimes I'd probably try to blend into the background. Really, at the heart of it, I'd really want to be kind of m as much as myself as I could be. Fabulous. Well, Charlie Wright, thanks a million for your time and stay well. And next time I'm in London, I'll definitely give you a call. Oh, that'd be we'll great, catch up for mate. a coffee. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It'd be great to great to hang out. And uh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed this actually. Yeah. Okay, much appreciated. I'll talk to you soon, Charlie. Take care, mate. Ta-ra. Bye now. Bye. I was wide mind. Suddenly everything flies by fire. My goes on holiday in its stead. Clicking along the curve. Hardly a method you know It's a broken home Started up yesterday And it came through now Mine was on holiday It's a no
Let's go. 